Oh, brothers, like we are so mean. Uh, although I did notice a couple of uh, naughty sisters in there, like Joel, broken collarbone. How about that? Uh, I did actually ask my sister if she wanted to contribute something to that little piece, but she just said one hour service just isn't enough for the amount of content I have. What is it about brothers? What is it about siblings? Like, why can siblings just not get along? Today, we're looking at Cain and Abel, and I'm willing to bet that even if you have never uh, picked up a Bible in your life, I'm willing to bet that maybe you have heard about Cain and Abel. But I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. And so let's turn to Genesis 4. I'm going to read just a few verses for us right now. And just a reminder, if you're on the chat, you can actually open up the Bible right there. Adam made love to his wife. Sorry if there are kids in the room. Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain uh, worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from, among the, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. These are dramatic scenes. We've spent so much time over the last few weeks looking at the good world God created. And yet as Adam last week, we saw forged a new path. Adam and Eve went their own way. They went away from God. Look how quickly things have descended. Cain has just killed his younger brother. I find myself asking the question, how on earth did we get here? You know, I think for all of us, it's a question we ask as we take stock at times. You know, how have I ended up here? Maybe you've just made a big mistake and you're like, how have I ended up here? Maybe you're stuck in a pattern. You're like, I thought I'd have moved beyond this now. Like I thought I'd have grown up. How am I still in this place? I think it's a really natural question for us to ask. How did we get here? You know, as God drives Cain away from the land. He becomes this restless wanderer, which if you're trying to grow crops, which he did, was a really bad thing. You know, he says later on in the passage, God, this punishment is more than I can bear. I think he's asking the same question. How on earth did I get here? I think the answer is that murder doesn't begin with murder. You know, maybe you lost it with your kids this morning. Maybe you lost it with a flatmate. 
Maybe you're woke, waking up hungover this morning. You're like, I was just going to have one. How on earth have I ended up back in this place? Maybe your credit card's maxed out. You're in, maxed out. You're in debt again. You're like, How have I ended up here? You know, maybe you just can't stop clicking that link, that page, that website. How did I get here? And what Cain teaches us is that endless soul searching at the end of the journey does not reveal the answer. If you've ended up somewhere you've never thought you'd be, you know, the end of a thousand mile journey, that famous proverb teaches us that thousand mile journey begins with a single step. You see, just a few verses before we learn Cain's hatred, Cain's murder came out of anger and God warns him, gives him a really meaningful warning. Cain, there is a course of action that seems desirable to you right now. And yet I want you to know it's like sin is crouching at your door. It's this tiger ready to pounce. There is a course of action that seems really attractive to you right now, but it will eat you up. And it's like this is a really meaningful choice that God gives him. You can do what is right or you can do what is wrong. Cain, the choice is yours. And yet I wonder if the choice isn't so meaningful. It's like he's already decided what he is going to do. He hates and he's angry and he's jealous. And as we step back to this offering that they brought to God, I think we find the answer. Cain, uh, Cain grew crops. And just in the course of time, he brought some of those as an offering to God. But Abel, he raised animals. And when it came to the firstborn, he took the firstborn, the first opportunity. And he just didn't take any old part of the animal. He took the fat portion, the juiciest part, the best part, the tasty part. And he brought that to God. You know, Cain just brought an offering when he could. Cain, Abel brought his very best. Cain's like the guy on the way to a party that forgot to buy a present and drops in at the petrol station, just gets what he can and, uh, and, and, and brings it because he, he has to. He's obliged, you know, that's what's expected. Abel was, Abel's been thinking about that present for months, making sure he can bring you the very best thing. And God looks with favour on Abel. God accepts Abel's offering. On Cain's, he, he doesn't. Can you, can you see where Cain got to where he did? Jealousy and anger and hatred and murder began in his heart. You know, in that culture, the heart was the, the internal part of you. It's where your thoughts and your emotions, your decisions, your desires come from. And there's a proverb, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You want to know what your future words are going to look like? You want to know what your future actions are going to look like? You want to know about your future reactions? Observe your heart. I was reading this week that up until 1986, like crazily recently, miners, coal miners would still take canaries into mines with them. You're like, where is this going? They still took canaries into mines. Why? Because coal mining can produce toxic gases. And canaries were way more susceptible to those gases than the miners. And so if the canary keeled over, it was an indication there is toxicity in here. There is something dangerous in this mine, miners. Get out. Can I suggest that the canary, your heart is like the canary of your life? It is this early warning indicator of where things are heading. I wonder what your heart is telling you right now. 
I wonder what your innermost thoughts in the middle of the night are. I wonder what emotions arise when you think about that person. I wonder what emotions arise when that that perfect person with their perfect life posts that perfect picture on Instagram. I wonder what you just can't stop thinking about. Cain teaches us, never take lightly those things that are arising in your heart. You know, I'd love to say that the story ends there, that Cain killed Abel and that was the end of it. And yet there is this descent that continues from there. Cain is driven away and Genesis 4 records the, the generations that come after Cain. It shows us the beginning of secular society. It shows what happens when a people pursue life separate from God. And one of the cool things is, you know, there is so much to celebrate. When you read, you, you see that they raised livestock and they made tents, you know, I think they probably worked out that livestock needed to move from green pasture to green pasture. And they thought, we need to shelter. We need tents. And they made tools. They worked with metal. They were craftsmen. They made instruments. There, were music. there was music. Can, can you see that this is the beginning of vibrant, diverse, awesome, creative culture. There was so much to celebrate. But the great, great, great grandson of Cain was Lamech. And in the midst of that creative, awesome culture, verse 23 says, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zilhah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. You know, if if, if Eve needed talking into sin and Cain needed talking out to sin, Lamech didn't need any of that. He celebrated it. He gloried in it. We notice immediately he's got two wives. He's moved from God's ideal for marriage to two wives. And, and then he kills somebody, but it's not only just somebody. He kills a young man. The literal word in the Hebrew is a child. He retaliates and kills a child. How quickly things have descended. You know, these words tell us what life looks like when it's pursued separate from God. We see God's ideal for sex diminished, we are distorted. We see human life being diminished for all the technological progress. They failed in the most basic of ways. If Cain shows us that we have a heart condition, Lamech shows us that we'll pursue success in all sorts of ways, but it will not deal with the brokenness that sits underneath. Is this not our story? You know, New Zealand is a secular nation. We love to make progress apart from God. And there is so much to celebrate. You know, Wellington. You can eat out in some amazing places. You can, you can hear some great music. You can go and see great shows. You can see some great artwork. There is a movie industry here. Like there is so much creativity. There is so much awesome stuff that goes on. And yet, is there a bigger, deeper story underneath all of that? Let me just give you one example. I was talking to a friend the other day. I'm not going to tell you where he is. He could be anywhere in the Western world by his story. He lives in an affluent area. He's surrounded by people of power, people of position. He's surrounded by people with money and houses and cars and boats. And yet 
around him, just in his circle of friends, he could count 10 broken marriages. So much to celebrate. People we would applaud and celebrate and say, you're doing amazingly, and yet there is still brokenness at home. Derek Kidner, one of my favorite Old Testament uh, commentators, says this of Lamech's generation. He said, they could control their environment, but they could not control themselves. This isn't a beat up on culture, right? This isn't us as the church looking down on the noses of everyone else and, uh, everyone else and saying, aren't you bad? This is my story. I think this is our story. You know, in my 20s, I was at uni, I was doing a law degree. I played for a really good rugby club at the time. I had plenty of friends. So many people would have looked at my life and gone, well done, you're doing great, you're heading somewhere. But I couldn't be faithful to any of the girlfriends I had. There was so much in my life to celebrate. And yet I was broken in the most basic of ways. And, and, and in those days, I chose to follow Jesus. And I would love to say, I, you know, so much in my life changed. And yet still there is this wrestle in my heart. This isn't like a 20-year-old story, a 20-year-old issue for me. This is today's story. This is yesterday's story. Still there is this heart thing in me wrestling away. It prompts me of what's going on in my life, in my heart. You know, and you might go, oh, you're a pastor. Surely you'll be on this. <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul some would say the greatest follower of Jesus. In Romans 6, he says, that which I don't want to do, I do. And that which I do want to do, I just can't do. Like he had this wrestle going on in his heart. He says, who will rescue me? And as I think about what's some of the things, some of the ugly things that I, I observe in my own heart at times, I ask the same question, who will rescue me? Who will save me from myself? I think Lamech's story is just a continuation of Cain's story. For all the progress, there was this unresolved heart condition. And yet our passage ends in hope. Read this, verse 25. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. Go on to the end of verse 26 with me. Uh, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. When people looked at Lamech's world, when people looked at where things had got to, when they looked at the logical consequences of the choices people had made to walk away from God, here's how they responded. They called, they called upon the name of the Lord. In this series, we've seen so many first things. Here we see the first moment of worship. We see the first moment of prayer. We see the first moment of repentance. Lamech's world was my will be done. To call upon the name of the Lord is to say, your will be done. It's saying, I've gone my own way. I've put myself as number one, but now I make you number one. Now I want your ways. Now I want to know what life looks like. If we follow you, we're going to begin. It's not the final answer. It's not the end of the journey, but it's the first step in the right direction to begin to call on the name of the Lord. If you're asking, how on earth did I get here? If you're observing the 
the toxicity in your own heart and saying, how do I deal with this? If you've got thoughts that you don't like, emotions that you're worried might lead you to do something stupid, desires and decisions that you're making that you know aren't of God. Here's the first step. Call on the name of the Lord. And this is what I love. Before they began to call out, God already hints at his solution. Verse 25, she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. Seth, from whom came Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, King David, Jesus. Before people began to call upon the name of the Lord, God already hinted at the one who would come and die on the cross in the place of humanity. Not just to give you rules, not to give you regulations, not just to tell you what to do, but to change you from the inside out, to change that heart condition, to change your thoughts and your emotions and your desires and your decisions and to bring them into line with God so that you could have life, full life, true life in relationship with the one who created you. It comes when we begin to call out on the name of the Lord. You know, so often we we talk about this, about the good news, about the gospel, about believing in Jesus, and we pretend that that's just day one. Yeah, this is every day. This is not just something that happened for me 20 years ago. It's today I want to call upon the name of the Lord and say, oh, Lord Jesus, as a gift by your grace today, Would you come and deal with this ugliness? Would you come and change me from the inside out? Before you ever knew you were lost, before you ever knew you were far from God, before you ever knew you needed help, God sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place so that today, for the first time, you could make a decision. Lord, I need you. I need you to help me. And you know, the thing I love is Lamech's story shows us you can never get so far from God that he cannot hear your call upon his name where he cannot reach out his hand and rescue you. I wonder if today, for the first time, you would make a decision and say, oh Lord Jesus, save me. In a moment, I want to lead you in a prayer. That first step in the right direction is you say, Jesus, I need you. But you know, for, for some of you, this isn't the first time. This is the hundredth time. This is the hundred thousandth time. You know, you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, yet you know Paul's wrestle. You know my wrestle. There, there are things in your life where you desire to do the right thing and there are things that arise sometimes where you're like, that is not good. The canary is keeling over again. And so as we lead people in a prayer maybe you want to join today again for the hundredth time and say Lord I need you should we pray come on let's pray God thank you so much that you love me and today I acknowledge that I have a heart condition and I need you I have thoughts that I'm not proud of. I have emotions that I don't know what to do with. I have desires that are leading me in the wrong way and I need help. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me and that you rose again, proving that you were victorious. Today, I I give my life to you. I pray, would you forgive me 
And would you, as you promised, send your Holy Spirit into my life to change me from the inside out. Give me new thoughts. Give me new emotions. Give me new desires. Help me make better decisions. Don't just save me, but lead me from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, this is an awesome day. The course of your life has changed forever. And we would love to celebrate with you. We don't want the, just the celebration to be in your living room. We want it to be in every living room. And so would you reach out and help us help you take these first steps in following Jesus. You can click the button on the chat and just say, I, I made a decision to commit my life to Jesus and just do what the, the instructions within there tell you to do. If you're not on the chat, you can send an email to online at thestreet.org.nz and let us know I've just given my life to Jesus. Help, help me make these first steps. We'd love to pray with you and we'd love to help you on that journey. And I think what you can see is that that you're beginning today in what is going to form a pattern every day. Lord Jesus, help me follow you today. Right now, we're going to begin to call upon the name of the Lord together in worship as Tom and Jamie lead us. Let's worship together.